from the world famous city of New Orleans, it's the Black and Blue Report. Starring Sean Kelly, producer Dan, D-Dub in the Black and Blue Orchestra, yeah. and the Benchwarmers. Today's special guests include the New Orleans Saints, the New Orleans Pelicans, and whoever else we could get to stop by. Online and worldwide, it's the Black and Blue Report. Live, sort of, from Studio B, here's Sean Kelly. How goes it? Thursday edition of the Black and Blue Report. Thanks again for joining us. We're excited to bring you another day's programming here from Studio B on the campus of the New Orleans Saints and the New Orleans Pelicans. Hi again, everybody. I'm Sean Kelly, and producer Dan is alongside, and we're going to hit a couple of topics today and start to ramp up our football coverage. We spent a lot of time on basketball yesterday, football today as we get ready for an NFL weekend starting tonight and then uh, ending up with with our guys, the Saints, on Monday night as they host the undefeated Miami Dolphins on Monday night football. Well, um, busy show yesterday. Boy, that was a really good show. I enjoyed Drew Holiday and David Wesley. Today, uh, football and baseball are the topics. Jim Corbett from USA Today will make his uh, regular stop with us, preview the NFL weekend in general, also shares a couple of thoughts on Monday night's uh, big game. Jesse Agler from Dolphins.com and one of their broadcasters, Gives us a look inside Dolphins camp as they ramp their week up as well here on this Thursday. And then we're going to talk a little baseball today with our Major League Baseball expert, Derek Gould of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. He joins us a little bit later on the show uh, to preview the final weekend of the regular season and get us set for the postseason. There is some intriguing stuff going on in baseball, and sometimes we lose sight of some of that with all the good football we have going on right now. But I know a lot of folks around here are uh, big baseball fans, so we want to give them a little... A slice of fun today on the Black and Blue Report. Uh, a couple of housekeeping notes that I want to pass along before we get to our first guest. Uh, tickets are now on sale, by the way, for the 25th Annual Saints Hall of Fame Induction Luncheon. The date of the luncheon is November the 15th. That's a Friday at noon at the Airport Hilton. Uh, let's see, tickets are available through Ticketmaster at $75 apiece or $750 per table of 10 Former New Orleans Saints defensive lineman Leroy Glover, formerly to be introduced into the Saints Hall of Fame as the 42nd member of the fraternity. And longtime sports writer Peter Finney will be uh, honored as the 24th Joe Gemelli Fleur de Lis Award recipient for his contributions to the New Orleans Saints organization. Again, so through Ticketmaster, those tickets are on sale now for the uh, Saints Hall of Fame induction luncheon on the 25th. On the basketball side, one week from today is the first Monty Williams show of the year on our flagship radio station. That's WWL-FM. That's 105.3 FM. That'll be next Thursday night. Producer Dan, do we have a time? Eight. Eight Central uh, for the first show of the year. I think we're going to do 26 of them throughout the season, uh, if my count is right. And it will be uh, day three of training camp next Thursday. So we'll get a good take from Coach Williams next Thursday night on uh, WWL-FM about how campus started and, uh, and the ability to preview those first two preseason games, Houston and Dallas, again, one week from tonight. Okay, let's get started on the program because our interviews are good and in-depth today, so I don't want to take up too much time here with you here in the first segment. So coming up next, we'll jump right into the NFL football weekend, and we'll do that with Jim Corbett of USA Today after this.
The offseason for your New Orleans Pelicans has been exciting with all-star Drew Holiday and former Rookie of the Year Tyreek Evans being added to a lineup headlined by Anthony Davis and Ryan Anderson. Now, with the release of half-season and 12-game plans at varying price levels, there truly is a ticket plan for every fan. Packages start as low as $13 per game and feature the best seat locations to see all-star opponents, including the world champion Miami Heat. Visit pelicans.com or call 525-HOOP to get your seats today. Bud Light presents NFL Fan Dilemmas. Should I put these Bud Lights on your tab? Just supposed to get this round. Whoa, interception! But on my rounds, we play better. It's good luck when I buy Jeff's beers. But I don't want to buy Jeff's beers. He wouldn't even give me gum the other day. What a shocking turn of events. Absolutely everything going right. Yep, my tab. It's only weird if it doesn't work. Bud Light. For the NFL fans who do whatever it takes. Here we go. Enjoy responsibly. Anheuser-Busch Bud Light Beer, St. Louis, Missouri. Hey, New Orleans Saints fans, show your true colors and get in the action with the all-new black and gold Saints scratch-off from the lottery. Win up to $100,000. Play all three seeds. You have to play to win. That's right. Enter your non-winning black and gold Saints tickets in our second chance drawings for a chance to win autographed Saints merchandise or one of four Saints game day prize packages. Next entry deadline is September 3rd. Pick up your black and gold Saints scratch-off from the lottery. Win up to $100,000. Must be at least 21 to purchase. This is Todd Graves, founder of Raisin Cane's Chicken Fingers. Sure, other fans are hungry for a win. But here in New Orleans, we make sure that you're well-fed, too. With tailgates of our fresh chicken fingers and jugs of lemonade and sweet tea. Loving the Saints is like the freshness of Cane's. All day, no quit. Raisin Cane's Chicken Fingers. The official chicken of your New Orleans Saints. Well, the new NFL weekend begins in earnest tonight. Thursday night football again takes the stage. San Francisco at St. Louis to help us get ready for a new NFL weekend. And also, we'll get to uh, Saints and Dolphins here eventually. We'll bring in our uh, National Football League expert on the uh, national level. Of course, at USA Today, that's Jim Corbett. Uh, Jim, good morning. Happy new weekend to you as we start up on a Thursday. Morning, Sean. Good to be with you for week four. Thank you, sir. Let's start with tonight's game. San Francisco at St. Louis. Uh, I, I just don't see the Niners going to one and three, but man, I, I don't know what to make of the 49ers right now. What's your what's your storyline as we get set to play games tonight? Yeah, well, it's what's happening to Colin Kaepernick. And, you know, if, he, if we recall when he played in the Super Bowl and he played well, uh, it was his 10th start. And um, here we are, you know, 13 starts in, and he had a great beginning against Green Bay, but you know, there were problems against Green Bay's defense last year. So, you know, they uh, played him differently. They kept him in the pocket. He was able to throw for 412 yards. I think it was three touchdowns. Since then, it's been four interceptions and no passer uh, completion percentage over 50. And uh, he's really struggled. And what's gone on is Seattle uh, kind of showed the book on how do you stop uh, Kaepernick, uh, they did it with their great corners, and Richard Sherman took away Anquan Bolden, who was a beast in week one, and went for 200-plus yards receiving, and uh, limited to him to one catch, and then we saw the Colts, who don't have the physical receivers that uh, Seattle does, but they did a good job, but they also spied a safety, a backup safety on Kaepernick, and so he was frustrated. He wasn't getting to his first read. It was taken away and he was asked to be more of a progression passer, and they just don't have a lot of weapons right now. We forget that Vernon Davis is out. Michael Crabtree is still coming back from the Achilles, 
And the other guys, Kyle Williams, uh, just a couple of young guys, I just don't remember it off the top of my head, have just not stepped up and gotten separation. So, uh, And then on defense, it's gotten bad. In that Patrick Willis limped off the field last week with a groin injury that will keep him out tonight. And we all know what happened with Alden Smith uh, now entering uh, a rehabilitation facility for, uh, looks like alcohol, but uh, uh, for at least a month. So uh, there's some, you know, other issues, but, uh, you know, they missed some people. Um, they missed Delaney Walker, who was a tight end with them, who went to Tennessee in free agency. And, um, you know, their defense just has not played as well. Uh, but Kaepernick is the big story. Jim, you cover the league across the board, but I know each weekend you try and plant yourself in one of the NFL stadiums. Where are you going to head this weekend? Yeah, I'll be in Houston, uh, get a chance to see the Seahawks. So really uh, interested in that. Houston is coming off a bad, ugly win. Uh, offensively did not play well. Matt Schaub had a bad game, stared down his receiver, Owen Daniels, and paid the price with a pick six. Uh, he's had two of those this year, and the debate is on in Houston. Is this guy good enough to lead us where we want to go? Um, their defense didn't play great either. They gave up one touchdown, but they played well enough to win. Um, go sit down and talk to Brian Cushing when I get out there. Looking forward to that. He's you know quietly come back from a knee injury last October. I think it was week five against the Jets. And you know we've had documentaries on RG3 and Darrell Revis. Haven't heard as much about Cushing, but he's back to playing at a great level. And they rewarded him with a six-year, $55 million contract. He's really a great leader on defense. Jim Corbett of USA Today, our guest. We'll get to Miami at New Orleans in just a second. Uh, Jim, any other games? Is there one or two others that you'll have your eye on that very much intrigue you for the weekend? Well, certainly you look at the, you know, it's not a great game. It's it's the Redskins where I've been this week, uh, talking to guys there at Oakland on Sunday before their bye. And they keep citing last year they were 3-6 and six at the bye, and then they went on that seven-game win streak. Um, you know, Robert Griffin has looked better and has improved he's still not himself but he hasn't lost the confidence that you know that swagger so to speak that made them who they are he says we're close we've seen on tape they lost 27 to 20 uh to the lions and one of the plays was a costly fumble by him when he went belly first as opposed to feet first and trying to slide so he said he's learned that lesson he said uh, he'd be welcome to um conversation with Bryce Harper if you want to give him some tips uh, of the Nationals, but uh, those guys got to get it out of their hole, and certainly the Giants. Uh, if you look at New York, it's just upside down. The Jets are off to a 2-1 start, the Giants 0-3 with a ton of turnovers. That has to change for them. I believe they're at Kansas City, so um, that's going to be a tough one. That's a tough place to go win in Arrowhead Stadium, so uh, the Giants' season right now is on the brink, and the same with the Redskins. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, back to the Redskins for a moment. Of course, they have to go across the country. I get that. But, you know, back to the Robert Griffin uh, conversation, and while he hasn't been himself, is it even fair to evaluate Griffin and the Redskins without at least talking about perhaps a defense that's kind of stunk it up a little bit? Well, that's a great point, Sean. They're historically porous. Uh, they've given up 14 uh uh, 100 yards in three games. Uh, that's never been done before. I think it's at least the, during the Super Bowl era. And, you know, uh, New Orleans certainly knows about a bad defense and how hard it is to overcome that. So, yeah, they could be scoring 30 points, but if they're not stopping anybody, it doesn't matter. So uh, I think, you know, they're making the proper adjustments. We saw better from them last week. Uh, D'Angelo Hall uh, played a good game against Calvin Johnson. He did have one touchdown, but Otherwise, he was held in check. Um, yeah, they should be able to 
at least if they can't get it together against Oakland, they're in trouble. But Oakland lacks weapons. We don't know if Terrell Pryor will play because of a concussion. And if it's uh, Matt Flynn, they should have a field day teeing off. They need to get their pass rush going. Back in the day, Jim, it seemed like Monday Night Football always had a great matchup or a very intriguing game that not necessarily has been always the case here of late. But yet this Monday, you get a pair of undefeated teams, Miami at New Orleans. That's uh, exciting for us down here, but it seems good for the league when you have a marquee matchup on an early Monday night football game. Yeah, and I think Miami, we talked about them during the offseason, that they should be better, that Ryan Tannehill should be one of the most improved quarterbacks after I think he threw 12 touchdowns and 13 picks last year. Um, he's on his way to doubling that this year in terms of the touchdowns, uh, off to a good start and looking, you know, like he's playing faster. I mean, all that experience of last year has him, you know, more aware. I mean, we forget he was a wide receiver up until his final 19 games at Texas A&M, uh, where he was coached by his now offensive coordinator, Mike Sherman. Um, obviously, they got him, you know, a weapon in Mike Wallace, uh, the $60 million receiver uh, the Steelers parted with and, and we're not going to re-sign. And, uh, you know, Lamar Miller has stepped in after a bad first game where he had 23 yards rushing, has really come on. And that defense is kind of flying under the radar. They added Brent Grimes uh, at one corner and Denell um, Ellerby, the former Raven, and Philip Wheeler from the Colts. And I think with the Raiders uh, in the middle, along with a good front line uh, with Cameron Wake and then obviously trading up and drafting that number three, Deion Jordan, out of uh, Oregon, who reminds a lot of, of Jason Taylor. Interesting. It is good stuff. Jim, can they follow you on Twitter? Yeah, uh, it's at by Jim Corbett. It's my byline, and uh, uh, C-O-R-B-E-T-T, and I appreciate the shout-out. Absolutely, and you can follow all his work, of course, in USA Today. Jim Corbett with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Safe travels to you, my friend, and we can't wait to talk to you again. Yeah, it should, should be a good one, especially with the way the Saints defense has played this year. And uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they can get some pressure and get some heat. Yeah. Rob brings it, and uh, especially against Ryan Tannehill. You know, when uh, and before I let you go, you know, you were here in New Orleans during training camp. Uh, anything that you saw during training camp that's translated over to the regular season for that Rob Ryan unit? You know, I saw Kenny Vaccaro flying around, and now you see him being used in so many different ways and, you know, kind of being that rover player, uh, that sort of like what Charles Woodson was up in uh, Only Younger and Faster up in Green Bay all those years. So uh, I like it. You know, when he has the pieces, and certainly they've been kind of thin, uh, he's able to do his best work. And so you get a player like that, it uh, seems like uh, um, the front line is getting some, some push and Junior Gillette and um, – Cameron so it looks like those guys are getting after it and everybody one thing you do come away with everybody loves playing for Rob Ryan there's no doubt about that and see I got a little landing up out of there I was ready to tell you goodbye and ask you one more question that's a sneaky on my part I guess uh, Jim take care good to talk to you we'll see you soon always good talking Sean take care Thank enjoy you. the games we will Jim Corbett of USA Today with us here on the Black and Blue Report right back up with us What do you say to someone whose heart is on the line? That at Auctioner, an entire team of experts will collaborate to develop the best treatment for you? That we have procedures so revolutionary they aren't available anywhere else in the region, including breakthrough ways to more effectively manage heart failure and repair heart valves? That U.S. News & World Report ranks Auctioner Medical Center's heart program among the nation's very best? Or that with over 170 heart experts and seven hospitals to choose from, the exceptional cardiac care you need is always close to home? 
Actually, the most important thing to say is... Your results are back. Everything looks great. Better outcomes. Just one more reason to choose Auctioner. To find a heart specialist near you, visit auctioner.org or call 1-866-AUCTIONER. That's O-C-H-S-N-E-R. Auctioner. Healthcare with peace of mind. Say that to say this. The new album from Trombone Shorty. Trombone Shorty is back with 11 explosive tracks on his highly anticipated new release. Say that to say this. This album delivers funk, R&B, rock, and soul that's sure to blow you away. Trombone Shorty delivers an incredible remake of the Meters classic, Be My Lady, with all music played by the original Funky Meters. What's up, New Orleans? This is Trombone Shorty. Check out my new record, Say That to Say This, produced by Raphael Sadiq and me in stores now. This is Todd Graves, founder of Raisin Cane's Chicken Fingers, being the official chicken of the New Orleans Saints. We're more than just fans of the Saints. We're fans of Saints fans. So on game day, we make sure they're reloaded with tailgates of our fresh chicken fingers and jugs of lemonade and sweet tea. The best chicken fingers around? We got this. Raisin Cane's Chicken Fingers. The official chicken of your New Orleans Saints. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. We're going to check in with a guy that uh, spent some time with us back during the preseason because the Saints played the Dolphins to wrap up the preseason. And who'd have thunk back then in, in late August, Jesse Egler, that we'd have a Monday night football game with a pair of 3-0 teams and really the, the marquee Monday night football matchup of the month of September. This is all good news for Saints and Dolphins fans. Yeah, it is, and, and I'm man enough to admit I didn't expect both of these teams to be 3-0. and I mean, certainly didn't expect the Dolphins to be 3-0. and We spent a huge chunk of the summer, and maybe even really since the schedule came out in April, you know, talking about this gauntlet at the beginning of the season for the Dolphins, their first five games, and everybody said, all right, Cleveland week one is a must-win because then you've got to go to Indianapolis and face Andrew Luck. You come home week three for your first home game against Matt Ryan and the Falcons. Then you go to New Orleans for Monday Night Football against Drew Brees, and then you come home for Joe Flacco and the Super Bowl champions. So I think most people had a pretty pessimistic view of the first five weeks of the season, but definitely so far so good. Tough stuff there. That's Jesse Agler on the telephone with us. He's with Dolphins Broadcast and uh, dolphins.com so jesse why three and oh what's what is stood and what's standing out for the uh, for the fish over there I, I think scoring is the place to start something you all know much about um you know th- this team they just they haven't scored points like the modern successful nfl teams the last couple of seasons and they're above 20 points scoring in each of their first three games for the first time since 2002 I mean, that, that's a long time to go without being able to score basically three touchdowns in each of your first uh, three games, but that's what, they've, that's what they've done so far. They put up 20 in Cleveland and in Indy and at home against the Falcons last week, and, and they're also making the big plays in crunch time. Against the Colts, Brent Grimes came up with a huge interception to pretty much seal the deal when it looked like Andrew Luck was maybe driving down the field to do another Andrew Luck sort of thing, and, and I don't know that they get that interception last year. You know, They brought Grimes in to make that play, to be the guy that, that comes up with the huge interception, the huge pass defense at the big time, and, and he did that. And again, I don't know that that would have happened last year. And then against the Falcons last Sunday, I mean, 
you know, Ryan Tannehill, no big deal. They have four and a half minutes left. They were down three, drove them all the way down, 75 yards, used up almost all the time, and uh, finished it off with a one-yard touchdown pass to a rookie tight end, making his first career reception for the uh, for the game-winning touchdown. I don't know that Ryan Tannehill could have done that last year. So they've definitely improved themselves. I think in free agency in the draft, everybody saw everything that they were doing, and it's, it's sort of worked out really well so far through three games. How much has Tannehill benefited from the fact that uh, he has he has his old uh, college uh, coordinator with him? It's got to be huge, right? I mean, you know, you talk to Mike Sherman about it, you talk to Ryan Tannehill about it, and they both say, "Yeah, we know each other pretty well." But I, I, I got to think it's pretty, it's pretty massive. And you look, Andrew Luck now has his old offensive coordinator from Stanford in Indianapolis with him. It's just that whole knowing what the other one is thinking kind of thing. And you go back to the game-winning touchdown I just mentioned the other day. They kind of got all tight goal line set on the offense. They had three tight ends in there, you know, a running back and a fullback. They motion the running back out of the backfield, kind of do a little play action to the fullback who had scored a rushing touchdown the previous week against Indianapolis. Everybody bites on that, and then the, the tight end sort of delays his block, goes out, you know, bada-bing, bada-boom, one-yard touchdown, and it was a play that they ran at Texas A&M a bunch of times. It was a play that, previous to the Atlanta timeout called right before that play, they went to the sidelines, and Tannehill apparently told the quarterback's coach to tell Mike Sherman up in the booth, hey, this is the play I want to run, I want to run. and Sherman already had that play circled. So, I mean, very much on the same page, a comfort level there, and last year, Ryan Tannehill wasn't a guy that had to worry about the playbook and worry about the relationship with the offensive coordinator. He was able to worry about all the other things that a rookie quarterback has to worry about, but two less things on his plate as he sort of adapted to the NFL. I think it's been a big, big part of his yeah, success. Yeah, no doubt. Tannehill now 21 of 28 in the fourth quarter, uh, 75% through the year. That's that's good stuff. Um, Jesse, when you look at a 3-0 and record, and this goes for the Saints too, sometimes it's all rainbows and lollipops when you start the season as well as these two teams have. But I know like Sean Payton, I'm sure Joe Philbin has some concerns. Nothing's ever perfect. What do you think's on the mind of Coach Philbin going into this week? I think pass protection is a place to start, and that's not specific to facing the Saints. That's just you know what we've seen the first couple of weeks. Tannehill's been sacked a ton, I think 14 times in the in the three games, and it's not as easy as saying, well, the offensive line is struggling in pass protection. The running backs have struggled in pass protection. Tannehill has made some you know decisions back there that probably contributed to getting sacked a couple of times. So it's sort of an overall overarching pass protection issue, and just reducing the number of sacks, and also, and and this might sound trite in the NFL when everybody is always hurt, but they've got. Some some key injuries right now that they're trying to battle through. You know, Cam Wake is the big one, and you know, I mean, he's your star defensive end. He's one of the best pass rushers in the entire National Football League, and I don't know if he's going to be able to go on Monday night. I mean, he's acting and talking and practicing like he wants to be able to try, but you know, the report is a sprained MCL. He could easily miss a couple of weeks, so we got to kind of keep a close eye on that. Hard to predict at this point what's going to happen, but that's got to be a little bit of a concern. And then, you know, they're, they're giving up too many big plays on defense, and when you're getting ready to, to face Drew Brees and Jimmy Graham and Marcus Colston and Derek Aaron Sproles, you know, those guys are all about big plays. So I'm sure that's a, a concern for him, not only because they've allowed some in the first few weeks, but because of the team they're getting ready to face. I think the natural next question is this, Jesse. When you watch the game on Monday night, is there a particular matchup or unit versus unit that intrigues you the most? Uh, I, I, I mean, look, anytime Drew Brees is involved, it, it's got to be that. And, and it's going to be the amount of pressure the Dolphins can get on Drew Brees or not and how that affects things. And who knows, maybe the game plan is not to pressure. Maybe the game plan is to bring three or four and drop seven or eight into coverage and sort of, you know, try and flush them out that way. I don't know. I mean, that, that's kind of an interesting thing we've been talking about a lot down here the last couple of days is what's the defensive approach going to be against this guy who is as dangerous a passer as there is in the NFL. I think that's exciting. I'm a big Jimmy Graham guy. I went to the University of Miami. 
Um, I, I think he's just an unbelievable athlete. I think he's turned into maybe the most dangerous tight end in, in football right now, which is cool and exciting as a UM guy, but also scary as a Dolphin guy getting ready for this game. So I'm very curious to see the way they try and cover him, the way they try and handle him and manage him. They did a good job against Tony Gonzalez last week, and generally the last several years the Dolphins have really struggled covering tight ends. So that'll be a big challenge this week. Who covered Gonzalez last week, and, and will that be the same person on Graham this week? They mix it up a little bit. I, I have no idea what they're going to do with Jimmy Graham. I also think Tony Gonzalez, he, he got dinged early in the game, kind of hit his head you know, when he was tackled, and I'm not entirely sure he was like all the way back after that. Um, it didn't seem like Matt Ryan was looking his direction as much as you'd expect. Um, so I'm not entirely sure what happened with that. I never really read a follow-up from Atlanta about Tony Gonzalez, but they mix it up. You know, I think with Jimmy Graham, you know, this isn't coming specifically from the Dolphins, but it's talking to people who know defense and, and you know, trying to slow a guy like that down. And most people say, look, you just at, at, at least you've got to get your hands on the guy when the ball is snapped. You know, you, you can't give him a free release out, you know, into the middle of the field because then you've got no chance because there really isn't a linebacker or a safety that's going to be able to go stride for stride with somebody like that on any team. That's not, again, specific to the Dolphins, but it's, it's just how good Jimmy Graham is. And so you've got to rough up the timing, you know, between he and the quarterback, you know, and if Breeze thinks it's going to be three quick steps and there's Jimmy Graham, you know, try and keep him at the line as long as you can uh, to, to try to mess with that, con- with that timing. Saints fans are foaming at the mouth to have a home game on Monday Night Football uh, here early in the season. Boy, for Dolphins fans, though, Jesse, this is like old hat. What is this, 79 times now on Monday Night Football? Is that a league high? It's got to be, right? Yeah, it's one, two, or three. I forget. It's all, yeah. It kind of rotates year to year now because it's so close between them, the Cowboys, and the Steelers. Um, but it's old hat, but emphasis on old. I mean, you know, the Dolphins have not been as much a primetime staple the last several seasons as they had been in years before. I don't think they've hosted a primetime game since 2010. Maybe 2011, they had a Thursday night against the Bears, but a Sunday or Monday night, not since 2010. So it's been a couple of years now. Um, it's, it's different on the road obviously it is a very 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 tough place to play i don't have to tell you all about that and uh i think it's going to be about as big time an environment as most of these guys have played in it's a young team and you know ryan Tannehill's never played on monday night football before the only prime time game ryan Tannehill has played to give you some perspective here it obviously goes back to last year was thursday night at buffalo in november it's going to be a little bit different on monday night in the dome i know i think you're right jesse eckler from <laughs> dolphins broadcasting and dolphins.com jesse i tell you good luck to your dolphins on monday but then again i'd i'd be lying so <laughs> Uh, well, thank, same to you. Yes, and, thank you. Uh, and and it was it was neat seeing the Saints in the preseason. I'm I'm always sort of intrigued by the the guys and the teams that get together and see each other in the preseason and then again in the regular season and how much that changes things. And of course, the coaches and the players are totally dismissive of it. But you got to figure there's something going on during that preseason game when they know that they're going to face each other again. Well, the only thing they saw was the other team's uniform because none of the regulars <laughs> played. Nobody showed anything on either side of the ball scheme wise. So. It's a whole new day on Monday, that's for sure. Uh, enjoy the football this weekend, especially Monday night, Jesse. Thanks for coming on. You too, on. Sean. My yep. pleasure. Jesse Aguilar with us from Dolphins.com and Dolphins Broadcasting here on the Black and Blue Report. we right back up to this. Hey there. What you having? Um, what kind of specials do you have today? Well, tonight we're doing $2 benzene and tonics, $4 lemon arsenics, and $5 beryllium bombs. Wait, what? Those don't sound like drinks. They sound like types of poison. Well, it's a fine line. Besides, this is a smoky bar. What do you think we're all breathing in right now? 
I don't know. N nicotine? Listen, I'm gonna hook you up. You're not really living until you've had a formaldehyde martini. Yeah, I'm going home. Secondhand smoke does more than just stink. It costs Louisiana thousands of lives and contains dozens of harmful chemicals that lead to things like emphysema, heart disease, and lung cancer. Learn what's being done to protect all Louisianans in bars and gaming facilities at letsbetotallyclear.org. Hey, New Orleans Saints fans, show your true colors and get in the action with the all-new black and gold Saints scratch-off from the lottery. Win up to $100,000. Play all three seeds. You have to play to win. That's right. Enter your non-winning black and gold Saints tickets in our second chance drawings for a chance to win autographed Saints merchandise or one of four Saints game day prize packages. Next entry deadline is September 3rd. Pick up your black and gold Saints scratch-off from the lottery. Win up to $100,000. Must be at least 21 to purchase. Bud Light presents NFL Fan Dilemmas. Should I put these Bud Lights on your tab? Just supposed to get this round. Whoa, interception! But on my rounds, we play better. It's good luck when I buy Jeff's beers. But I don't want to buy Jeff's beers. He wouldn't even give me gum the other day. What a shocking turn of events. Absolutely everything going right. Yep, my tab. It's only weird if it doesn't work. Bud Light. For the NFL fans who do whatever it takes. Here we go. Enjoy responsibly. Anheuser-Busch Bud Light Beer, St. Louis, Missouri. Well, we've got one more week left, or weekend rather, left in Major League Baseball's regular season, the uh, postseason, and the hunt for October really uh, is uh, zeroing in on these last couple of days. And with that, we're going to go with our Major League Baseball expert, and that's Derek Gould, who writes for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, covers not only the St. Louis Cardinals, but Major League Baseball across the board. Uh, he is a second-timer with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Derek, good morning. Uh, I know you're excited about the postseason, but we still have one more weekend to decide a few things in baseball, don't we? Yeah, there, there's some still things open up, I guess. Uh, you know, you know the five teams going in in the National League. Uh, the American League has a little bit longer uh, or a little bit tighter race there for the for the wild card. But uh, you know, they're still jockeying for position. Um, there's still obviously some regular season numbers that can be reached. So uh, you know, baseball has uh, kept its. Uh, I guess if you are a proponent of the second wild card then you you like what's going on in the american league because otherwise it uh it'd be a lot less or a lot more decided who was going off in october so there's still some excitement to be had um still some uh there's some goodbyes to be said to there in houston for any credit and mariano rivera so yeah and it's still there's still still games that matter this weekend you you mentioned rivera and i guess what is today i think is his last game at yankee stadium if i'm not correct uh you know, do is it easy or is it hard to put your arms around what he'll leave us with as far as his legacy goes? Oh, I think uh, I think I think it's pretty easy. I, I'm not sure that everybody, maybe you know. I, I think if you're a baseball fan, you get it. I think you know. I mean, if uh, if or if you're a sports fan, you understand it. I mean, this is the this is the Wayne Gretzky of his. Uh, of his sport, of his role. This is, um, you know, the Michael Jordan of his role. This is the Walter Payton of his role. I mean, this is a guy who, who did things at the peak of his ability for at within his, the, the distinct role on a baseball team better than anybody ever has. Um, and, you know, you probably could argue he's done it with as much class as, uh, you know, some of the guys that I mentioned as well. Uh, he, uh, He's put a record up there for career saves that 
you know, few will, no, no one may ever reach. Um, he, he's also done it for the most prominent and most historic team in the game, uh, and he's done it for championship teams seemingly every year. I mean, this this year they're not going to the playoffs, um, which is just remarkable because what it's the second time since he's joined the Yankees that they won't go to the playoffs. And while the playoffs have expanded, you, you still don't see that. You still don't see the, the consistency of teams making it like that. So, um, you know, he's, uh, he's also given Metallica a boost or maybe Metallica has given him a boost, I guess with, with Henry Sandman. I mean, he's just, he's, he's in every sense an iconic player for our time. And he's one that has, um, because of the role and because of his personality risen above the muck of of PEDs from this era. He earned a $132,170 on average per inning of work over his career. So uh, I think that's money well earned and deserved. Uh, meanwhile, Derek, I'm looking at a report this morning that says that his teammate Robinson Cano could be seeking a new contract in the neighborhood of 10 years, $305 million. Are, are we going to continue this uh, this stuff after what we saw with the Pujols situation and Hamilton and, and A-Rod and the others? Uh, all it takes is one reckless, you know, owner to do that. I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the rub in baseball is the market may not uh, support that and the market certainly would not support that if, if uh, if you had actually teams involved in negotiations and, and Cano was paid what he fit, what he actually was worth within the marketplace. Um, but it, all it takes is one owner um, sweet talked by a really good agent or, uh, or in desperate need of that kind of player um, to make it happen. Uh, I think, uh, I think you need to kind of couch that 300 million by saying he is a second baseman. Um, he's a guy who can hit in the middle of the order, but is he a guy who's always going to be able to hit in the middle of the order? Uh, his numbers do not compare with Albert Pools, um, but you know his longevity might be a little bit different for the length of contract. So um, I think uh, I think those are things to keep in mind. Um, I I have a hard time thinking that the biggest contract in baseball history is going to go to a second base second baseman. Um, but that's just because of the, how that position has been treated mostly by other teams and because it's not usually one that gets the, the premium rate. You're not talking about the, the first baseman who's going to go out and win a triple crown or the shortstop who can do that and play shortstop. Um, but uh, I think that's a, that's a huge number, and it's out of whack with the current trend. Um, it also, like you said, owners, most owners have seen what happens with the big contracts um, you know, the Pujols, the Hamiltons, um, to A-Rod, and they get very leery of them, um, whereas they look at a contract like uh, the one, the extension that Tigers signed with Miguel Cabrera and find that far more palatable. Interesting stuff. Derek Gould from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch with us here on the Black and Blue Report. All right, Derek, let's turn our attention toward October. First, the National League here. It looks like Atlanta, St. Louis, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, and the Dodgers. Which team in your eyes is built best for October and should be uh, – I guess the leader in the clubhouse going into the postseason tournament. The Dodgers mainly because they have Clayton Kershaw and Zach Greinke at the top of their rotation, um, especially in a five-game series. That's going to be brutal uh, for the opponent if they're at their best. So they, uh, you know, when you look at what uh, what what they bring, obviously they have some talent or they have a lot of talent in the lineup. They have a, a dazzling player in Yusuf League, 
Um, but, uh, you know, it's a, it's a lot about pitching. It's a lot about power pitching. Uh, they might have a soft spot in the bullpen, but uh, that starting pitching is going to be very intimidating in a short series. Uh, Seven-game series might be a little different, but if they're facing the Cardinals in the in the first round, which is how it lines up right now, um, they might dispatch their their greatest challenger in the first uh, in the first round, and then uh, then have a team that does not have the pitching to keep up with them in the seven game series coming next. Wow, that's good stuff. Uh, as far as pitching goes, if we're going to carry that that storyline over to the American League, with that pitching in mind, does that mean that Detroit makes Boston not so much the clear favorite going into the postseason as one might think? Yeah, I think I think that does, and it also really helps uh, balance the scales too for Tampa if they get in and if they're able to win the one game playoff. Um, you know, Tampa has the pitching that in a series uh, five seven really can make a difference. Uh, you know, the the Tigers obviously have Scherzer, Verlander. Um, you know, and 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 then however direction they go after that, they, they're 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 successful. Um, you know, they, they they have the depth there to uh, to also go with the two headed monster. They can be tricky, just like the Dodgers. So I, I would think so. You know, I mean, the, the Red Sox have a team that they, they could do well in October, but you see that team and you go, oh, well, I see why they've done so well in the regular season. In a shorter window, it might be a little tough for them to to neutralize the, the Tigers. Um, and it could also, you know, sort of tighten that gap that is that people see there between Tampa and Boston as well. All right, Derek, I'm going to put you on the spot before I let you go here. Who are the MVPs, National League and American League, as we – wind up the regular Ooh. season well i mean I, it's hard to ignore what cabrera has done again um you know he's uh in some in a lot of ways he's improved upon his triple crown season he's done it for a division winner there's a lot to like there um i understand that uh you know mike trout had another tremendous year and everyone's going to want to position this as the best player um in baseball um you cannot ignore that it's not that it's the valuable player and there has to be an element of team success, whether you like it or not, um, in that. And there also has to be some measure of value that cannot be distilled by a calculator. It has to be watched. So I think uh, I think you still see Cabrera. Um, the National League MVP, I have a ballot this year. Um, so it, the rules about me <laughs> suggesting who, who should win it are a little bit tricky. Um, I can't really say that until I... Uh, until the ballots go public, um, I can say that it's a tre- tremendous horse race. Um, you know, when you look at uh, what Andrew McCutcheon has done for the Pirates and meant for the Pirates, and certainly I've seen him play a lot in this division here against the Cardinals, and then Yadier Molina and Matt Carpenter. I mean, I, I think if pressed, um, it'd be really tricky for, for me, and I, I see them on an everyday basis. To to make, I could make a case for both guys for both Molina and Matt Carpenter. Uh, Molina is sort of the established player. Matt Carpenter is the player who came out of the ether and has meant everything to the team. He could finish with the best record in the National League and and, uh, and has done so by dispatching records set by Sam Musial, Albert Pujols, and Roger Hornsby, which... Uh, which basically are uh, are three guys on the Mount Rushmore of uh, Cardinals history, if not National League history. Uh, I don't envy you exactly. one bit. Uh, good good luck with your vote. <laughs> Come yeah, on, man. yeah, yeah. It's gonna be. I, I, it's due before the first pitch of the postseason, so I got some time. All right. Um, and by the way, I know that you're gonna be super busy and enjoying great postseason baseball. But when it's done, 
Derek Gould, we're ready for you to come back home here to New Orleans and uh, and enjoy our city. As as you know, the weather will be perfect the first of November. As it is, it's one of the best months to be there. That in January, yes, right? Yes, absolutely. Uh, there's no doubt, especially when you're uh, up north and can can come visit in January. That's that's right. Yes. And the food is the same. I'm told, so it's, I'm uh, I, I'm always drawn. Yes, I know, and uh, and I know folks remember you from your time here, and we appreciate your time today as well. Enjoy the weekend right. and enjoy the October baseball too, Derek. All right, yes. Thanks, thanks very much for having me. All Absolutely. Derek Gould from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch with us here on the Black and Blue Report. We'll continue back to football when we get back on this program. What makes Auctioner Primary Care such a great choice? Is it because we have 38 health centers throughout the region, some with evening and weekend hours available? Or because we accept close to 50 different insurance plans? Could it be because we offer My Auctioner, which gives you and your family secure online access to your health records, test results, prescription renewals, even emails with your doctor? Or that you'll be connected to seven hospitals with 2,500 affiliated physicians who can handle everything from the common to the complex, so you'll never have to wonder if you made the right choice? Actually, what you may like the most is, yes, we have a location near you expertise and convenience great reasons to choose an auctioner primary care physician to find one near you visit auctioner.org or call 1-866-AUCTIONER that's o-c-h-s-n-e-r auctioner health care with peace of mind don't want to miss out on any of the action get connected with your new orleans pelicans 24 7 365 like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways. Plus, get text messages with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with Pelicans Mobile Alerts. Visit pelicans.com for information on these great features, plus sign up for Pelicans Insider with weekly updates from the Pelicans. Join the conversation today. Say that to say this. The new album from Trombone Shorty. Trombone Shorty is back with 11 explosive tracks on his highly anticipated new release. Say that to say this. This album delivers funk, R&B, rock, and soul that's sure to blow you away. Trombone Shorty delivers an incredible remake of the Meters classic, Be My Lady, with all music played by the original Funky Meters. What's up, New Orleans? This is Trombone Shorty. Check out my new record, Say That to Say This, produced by Raphael Sadiq and me in stores now. Pelicans.com and NewOrleansSaints.com, your first stop when following your teams. That'll about do it for this Thursday edition of the Black and Blue Report. Again, thanks for joining us. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, you can follow the show at Black Blue Report, or you can follow myself at Sean Kelly Live, S-C-A-N-K-E-L-L-E-Y-L-I-V-E, Sean Kelly Live. We really would like to get your feedback on what you've heard so far. We're two months in on the program, and so your comments are most welcome. Questions as well that we'll, uh, we'll answer from time to time on the program, and certainly take your suggestions for guests. We want to make sure that we're delivering the folks you want to hear from. I know there there are so many shows out there right now, um, and so, man, you can go almost anywhere, but we cer- certainly wanted to zero in on having a, a special podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. So with that being our, um, our focus, we want to make sure that we're getting you the right guests and at times also touching on other parts of the sports world, world like we did today with Derek Gould on the Major League Baseball side. Again, our thanks to Derek Gould, Jim Corbett, and Jesse Agler for being on today's program. 
tomorrow, the voice of the Saints, Jim Henderson, set to join us. We'll also talk a little bit about Sean Payton's big charity gala this weekend at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome and a whole lot more as we inch closer to a full-blown football weekend that includes uh, some fun stories in the NFL and an intriguing LSU game against Georgia and Tulane's uh, uh, move to go above 500 when they go up to Monroe this weekend. So all those on the show tomorrow. We'll see you about noon central tomorrow. Hope you'll make an appointment with us for No Appointment Radio. Yeah, it kind of contradicts itself, but you get the idea. Thanks again. Producer Dan, I'm Sean Kelly. So long for just a while. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 1 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.